Once, once again, Lord, we want to thank you for your mercies, for your love, and for having brought us here together this morning. May our hearts, Lord, be softened. May our spirits be calmed. May we listen to your voice. May your holy angels be around us and in this place now. May your Holy Spirit move around and touch hearts. And Lord, may we leave this place feeling blessed and with the assurance that we have been in your presence. These blessings I ask you, and I ask you also that you may use me as your instrument. That every word that comes out of my mouth may be directed and guided by you, and never a reflection of my own thoughts. I ask you in the name of Jesus, amen. I know how these 10 days of prayer have been significant and meaningful to those who were able to participate. I had the privilege of joining the Belleville group. I, I came to the church not every night, but on most nights or on some of them. And I had also the opportunity to be at uh, Dr. and Mrs. Mirage's uh, place, Mirage's place. And I was blessed uh, by the amount of time that we dedicated to prayer. There was uh, little talking and much prayer. And I believe that's what we need. And that's what we are going to be talking about this morning. God's house being a house of prayer. And my, pray, my prayer today is that you may leave this place with a new and fresh perspective on prayer. On how essential prayer is. Not only to the life of the Christian, but to the life of the church. For all of you who are here today, if there is someone who believes that they already live a life of prayer, praise the Lord for that. If there is someone who realizes that they need to dedicate more time to prayer than they have, uh, today can be the day of a new beginning in your life. And for those, those who don't know exactly what to pray for or how to pray, uh, I hope that this message will encourage you and will teach you some things as well. And, and today can be a fresh new day, a new perspective on prayer for your life. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah recorded the words of the Lord in this way, Call me and I will answer to you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great things, mighty things, which you have no idea about. If we really know what kind of love the Lord has shown to, human, to the human race, we would call him more often. We would go back to him more often. In fact, we'd, we'd only call him. We would only and always resort to Him in our times of need, and not to anyone or anything else. I don't know if we have ever thought these words through, but the Lord says, Call to me, and I'll answer. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That means you can call to God anytime and for any reason. You can call to God in situations where you see absolutely no way out. Because He can do great and mighty things we are not even aware of. 
That means that when you find yourself in those situations, you see no way out. When you're entangled in your problems or you're sinking deep down into sin, you can turn to the Lord and ask Him help. And He will have a thousand ways where you can see none. But the Bible goes beyond that. Not only does Jeremiah say, say, Call to me and I'll answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The Bible goes beyond. The prophet Isaiah reveals the word of the Lord in this way. He says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will will answer. Have you thought about that? It will come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear them. Isaiah 65:24. Isaiah 65:24. Oh my dear friends, may we meditate upon those words. May the word of the Lord be food for our soul, our souls today. May the Holy Spirit work in our hearts in such a way that He will infuse us with that assurance that whenever we ask, God is listening. And He will give us the answer even before we ask. And may the Holy Spirit remember us every day. And may we be remembered that every hour of our existence, every minute, every second... Of our lives is His, is God's. And every single detail of our life depends on Him. More than the food, the physical food that you eat. Your life depends on Him. Your breath depends on God. Paul said, for in Him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 28. It is my prayer for you. It is my prayer for myself. It is my prayer for this church. That we might walk every day with a real sense of God's presence in our lives. That we might recognize our need of Him. That we might sing with new meaning this hymn. I need Thee every hour. Sing with me. Most gracious Lord. No tender voice like Thine. Can peace afford? I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Bless me now, Lord. I depend on you fully. Peter Forsyth, who was a 19th century preacher, he said once, You do not yet know the inner Christ, you who are but his lovers and friends. Yes, we need to be lovers and friends of Jesus. But we, you need to have been his patient and to owe him your life until you know the inner Christ really. I don't know if you've been to any moment in your life where you saw your life hanging on a thread and you saw no way out and maybe through natural remedies or through a doctor you found the cure and you felt like your life depended depended on that. 
That's how we, we must look at Jesus. That's how we must look at God. Because in fact, our eternal life, the life we were created for, depends fully and completely on Him. But prayer is absolutely important. Prayer is not only important, prayer according to the Bible is essential. More than that, the same God who spoke through Isaiah saying that he would answer our prayers even before we asked. The same God also said that his house would be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's in Isaiah 56 verse 7. So if God said that his house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, it means that prayer is just not one more element. Prayer is just not one more part of the program. Oh, we are going to start the program. Let's put a prayer in the beginning. Because it's the right thing to do. It's a reasonable thing to do. No. Prayer is not that item in the program with which we start and end the program. In the house of God, prayer cannot be just anything. Prayer is the reason why God's house exists. Prayer is what God's house should be known for in our community. There may be great preaching. There may be wonderful times of studying. There may be great music in the house of the Lord. But my house shall be called what? My house shall not be called a house of singing. My house shall not be called a house of preaching. My house shall not be called a house of studying. Not that those things are not important. But my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. Oh, that our community should know that, would know that. That we would go around and tell you, you need prayer. There is a house of prayer here in Belleville. It's on 253 Dundas Street West. It's a house of prayer where God manifests himself. And God operates in people's lives. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So Jesus was coming down to Jerusalem. He's going down to Jerusalem. He knows that his time, the time for him to lay, up, lay down his life is coming uh, near. And he's going down to Jerusalem with his disciples. And from over the top of a hill, he looks down to the city. He looks over the city, the metropolis and the, the, the biblical prophet Luke. He paints a beautiful and moving picture of Jesus weeping over the city. And he's moved by compassion. And after that he goes and goes into the temple. And as he gets to the temple he's filled with indignation by what he sees. This is what we read here this morning. What Julia read. Mark chapter 11. Please open your Bibles. Mark chapter 11 verses 15 through 19. So they came to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple then he taught saying to them is it not written my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a den of thieves and the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him they feared him because all the people were astonished at his te teaching. And when evening came, he went out of the city. 
Now look at this. These people who were there in the church, were there in the temple rather, they were doing business in the temple. They were making big money with that. But those were the people who were selling animals for, for the sacrifices. Those were people who were doing money exchange and there were probably those who were doing both things. And they turned God's house not only into a trading post but in a shopping plaza. Jesus was not, Jesus was indignated with that. But everything was done with the consent of the religious leaders. More than that, the religious leaders they even had a share in the prophets. Now before we sit here condemning the, those people, let's remember that they were doing business that was related to the work of the church. Everything they were doing was related to the work of the church. So today, while we may not buy or sell or trade here in the church, uh, we don't have tables or booths out there and people exchange money or selling and buying. We don't do that. But let's think about it. As we get involved in the business of the church, what is our motivation? What is the motivation that makes you do the work of the Lord? Why, why, what motivates us to do what we do? here in the church. Let everyone examine themselves and think about it. When I stand up here and sing, what am, why am I doing that for? What am I doing that for? Who am I doing that for? As I go about the business of the church, what is the motivation that drives me? My house shall be called a house of prayer. Those were striking words of Jesus. And I wish we would live this place here today with that in mind, that we need to have a constant prayerful attitude in our lives. That's being a key element in the life of the Christian people, in the life of the people of God, I should say. You remember when Daniel, we're reading the book of Daniel, we're going to be studying the book of Daniel, the, even the youth are going to have a program next week on the book of Daniel, the first chapter of Daniel. Daniel had a vision he could quite not understand, and he was dismayed, and the Bible says that he knelt down, he was went down to the floor and he bowed down and prayed to the Lord and asked, Lord, help me understand. I can't quite understand this. And, and God sent the answer. God sent the, the interpretation of the vision. Jesus, the night before he would start to choose his disciples, he prayed all night long. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Let's quickly read this. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. As the disciples had returned from, from the mount where Jesus had just ascended from to heaven, and they returned to Jerusalem, they got together, and that's what the Bible says they were doing, Acts 1, 12 to 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, it went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, sorry, and Judas, the son of James. And what does the Bible say they were doing? These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. I am sure that they were singing hymns. I'm sure they were studying the Bible. They were trying to understand Scripture according to what Jesus had revealed to them while Jesus was with them. 
But the Bible says clearly that they were in one accord in prayer. And as you continue to read, they chose a disciple to replace Judas, who had betrayed the Lord and killed himself. And in the second chapter of Acts, immediately after that, there is a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The next chapter, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, 42 and 47, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine on fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued in prayers. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As a result of the prayers, the Lord was adding people to the church. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31, this is a moment where Peter and John had healed a man and they were being threatened. They were, being, they were actually arrested and they spent a night arrested uh, in prison or with the council there. And they were released the next morning. As soon as they were released, they were, went back to where the other believers were and they related everything that had happened. And they said they released us, but they told us clearly not to speak in the name of Jesus. And look at this, Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. Now, Lord, as they got together, the Bible, sorry, just going back, as they got to be, together, the Bible says that all the believers, upon hearing their report, upon hearing the testimony, they raised hands and prayed. And they said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant, you, grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's what they had just exactly asked for, boldness to continue to preach. And the place was shaken and they, they were granted the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak with boldness. I'm not expecting that this place be shaken. I'd rather not it be. I don't think we can afford renovations or structural, uh, any uh, fixed to structural damages here. But that's what the Bible is saying. More important than the place being shaken was the fact that they were endowed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. That they were enabled to go out and preach. And I tell you, my friends, and I tell you, brothers and sisters, if you want to see something different in this church, in the life of this church, we have to pray and pray earnestly. And believe that the Lord will bless us. There is no way out. There are blessings that the Lord will not give us until we'll ask Him for. Life, uh, prayer has been essential to the life of God's people. And there is one last example I want to give you. And this is found in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is the chapter that describes the conversion of Paul as he was going out to Damascus, on the way to Damascus, and he had that vision, and the Lord Jesus Christ spoke with him face to face, and he fell off the horse, and he was blinded for three days. And then the word of the Lord came to a man, a faithful man of God called Ananias. This is not the same Ananias who had withheld, withhold money. Uh, but this is another Ananias. That one had already uh, died in chapter 5 of Acts. 
So this Ananias received a message from the Lord that he was supposed to go out and talk to Saul. And the Lord said to him in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9, now there, is a certain, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, what does Saul do? He is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now Saul was very famous. Saul was well known among the churches because he would go, he would enter the church and disturb the service and take people arrested. And this Ananias was fearful of Saul. He was scared. He said, Lord, I, this man is known for taking people arrested and and." and leading people to be killed because of the faith. And the Lord said, yes, but you go into the house of Judas and you see, and the one who is praying there, that's all. And after Ananias met Saul, he laid hands upon him and prayed for him. And the Bible says that immediately after, Paul stood up and went out preaching the word of God. So my friends, if we all understood how essential prayer is, how essential a constant prayerful attitude is, and if we all let folks in our community know about that, if we would know, let people know that this is a place of prayer for all peoples, a people of all nations, I tell you, our prayer meetings would be the most attended meetings in the church. I hear amens, but... But I pray that this becomes a reality. You know, it should be concerning to any church. It should be concerning to any church. It should be a matter of deepest concern when you realize that there are more people attending a board meeting than there are attending a prayer meeting. What does it tell you? If this word is making you feel uneasy, it's, it makes me feel uneasy as well. That sometimes you have 12 people in a board meeting dealing with the businesses of the church. But you have less, much less than that in a prayer meeting which deals with our lives. With, with, with the one who actually keeps our lives together. Matthew eleven twelve says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. You know, there is a traditional interpretation of this passage that says, you can't force entry into the kingdom of God. You can't force anyone to accept Jesus. You can't take anything by force. You can't take the kingdom by force. Well, that's true. Jesus never forces himself into anyone's heart. But there is a, there is a type of spiritual violence, if you will. And follow me here. There's a type of spiritual violence that is actually required of each and every one of us. That's the spiritual violence that caused Jesus to be indignated with what, with what was going on in the temple. That's the type of violence I'm talking about. And don't tell me Jesus was gentle. He was indignated. He overturned tables. Because my house shall be called the house of prayer. 
And until you and I develop that kind of spiritual violence, until we wrestle with God as Jacob did, I talked about Jacob two weeks ago, until we come to that point and we realize our life depends totally on that, and we ask the Lord, Lord, I'll not let you go until you bless me, unless you bless me. Until we develop that kind of spiritual violence, our life, our spiritual life, I, I regret to tell you, but it's going to be dull. It's going to be lifeless. It's going to be just the same thing day in, day out, over and over again. So I challenge you today. I challenge you today to become a prayer warrior. To develop this kind of spiritual violence that the Bible says, that Jesus himself says, the violent take it by force. If violence, if that kind of, of spiritual violence Jesus is talking about were to keep someone outside of the kingdom, Jesus would have never said that the violence take it indeed by force. So there is a type of violence that allows you to take the, the kingdom, to go into the kingdom. And that's the strong desire that you must nourish in yourself, that you have asked even the Lord to give you if you don't. The strong desire to have your life in the hands of God and to walk with Him day by day, moment by moment. I need Thee every hour, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are here, Lord, because You called us out of darkness into this marvelous light of Your Word. But Lord, we are also here because we realize that our life depends totally on you. Lord, may we leave this place totally, completely, absolutely aware that we cannot live one single second without you. That we need you every hour. We need you every minute of our lives. And may we, Lord, develop this desire the strong desire to be with you. May we, Lord, every minute of our lives, day by day, remember that you are near us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and by the protection of your holy angels. May we have this constant awareness of your presence. May we be talking to you every moment. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.